podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly's Star Trek podcast. It is the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral himself, Ben Knight. Ben, we have rounded the corner. No, not on the coronavirus. Uh, oh, so, sorry. I'm a bit distracted because I was I was just cleaning up after this really disastrous dinner party I just held. <laughs> oh, well, that didn't go the way I intended. <sighs> Uh, yeah, it's a rounded corner. We have, haven't we? Yeah. No, we haven't. Uh, we've not rounded the corner on coronavirus, but we have in terms of Star Trek, I feel like, yeah. anyway. Uh, you know what? I was going to say what the fuck is happening, but you know what? I don't care. I'm just happy <laughs> that it's happening. Uh, we're here to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 4, Forget Me Not. Ben, it's not to say that the last two seasons of Star Trek Discovery were bad, because I think we both agreed uh, that they were not. They were good, mm-hmm. but they could have been gooder. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like we are getting gooder uh, with these, especially these last two episodes. Oh. It's going to be the goodest. A lot of people are saying it. All the best people, in fact. Lots Sorry, of I can't get out of that habit. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah. it's been four years. Uh, it's understandable. Uh, it's over now. A lot of people are saying it's been the longest four years. <laughs> so, oh, God, yeah. Um, well, it didn't help that March 2020 so far lasted 11 months. <laughs> no. That really, really clever maneuver uh, yeah. by... Uh, those in power wibbly wobbly timey-wimey <laughs> yes. is what this is um okay so let's let's talk about the episode real quick uh so we are uh, most of this episode well you know what not most of it uh there's something i have a i have i have a bit of a a hot take about this uh this recap here that i'm reading from on wikipedia uh but i'll talk about it when we get to it uh, Adira cannot remember how she became the host of the Tell Symbiote uh, and cannot access the memories of previous hosts, such as Senatal himself. 
Burnham takes her to the Trill homeworld in hopes that the Trill can help unlock her memories. The Trill are no longer part of the Federation, but welcome Discovery due to their need for new symbiont hosts, because the burn kind of wiped out a lot of Trills, too. Uh, However, many Trill refuse to believe that a non-Trill could host a symbiont, even though, come on, guys, Riker did it for, like, most of an episode. Um, They don't know that yet. (laughs) And Adira is turned away. A group of Trill attempt to kill her and take the symbiont, but Burnham stops them and a friendly Trill, Guardian, is it Z? It's pronounced, Mm. it's spelled X-I like Chinese. Uh, So I'm guessing it's Z, offers to help. And at the sacred caves of Makala, Z and Burnham help Adira connect Tal and unlock her memories when Senna died uh, Senatal was uh, the Tal symbiont was transferred to Gray, Adira's boyfriend, who was also a Trill. But Gray was killed shortly after, and Adira offered to become the new host in order to save the Tal symbiont and the memories of all of its previous hosts. After unlocking her memories, Adira is able to communicate with Gray, which is a little weird. Not typical for most Trill, at least not in this form. Um, and then it just says here, Ben, meanwhile, Saru attempts to improve crew morale with the help of Dr. Hugh Colbert. So obviously, yes, that was the B plot for this episode, but yeah, let me just state my opinion right off the bat. Uh, Star Trek, when it, I think it's doing its best, their B plots feel like they're not B plots. Yeah. And this didn't like this. They gave a sentence to this and there was a lot in this episode revolving Mm. around the supposed B plot with Saru trying to uh, improve the crew morale and the stuff with Dr. Kolber. There was a lot going on here. And I think personally, some of the best moments in this episode were in that part of the story. So, I take umbrage with Wikipedia for leaving out so much of what I think was very important character moments in this episode. But um, first, very much so. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear uh, your thoughts, though, on "Forget Me Not." Uh, well, uh, people complained, didn't they, about the lack of trekkiness of Trek? Mm-hmm. And season three of Discovery is all Trek, all of the time. Yes, um, <laughs> and this is so far the trekkiest of the trekking i've said track too many times um so yeah there's a lot going on here so obviously the a plot um that there's so much like not just nostalgic stuff but like um they're pulling in this one on the a plots pulling from ds9 pretty heavily the b plot has a, a lot of more kind of i get uh, i guess tng and voyager type rings to it um but yeah there are a few moments where you think hang on why don't they know that and then you have to realize that oh hang on they don't know that yet because the computer's older than that incident and this uh, this current reality is like a couple of centuries after that one and uh, mm. yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of that goes on during the course of this there yeah. are a few weird little slightly grating errors for the uber nerds out there but who have a new star trek to have any of those um so what you've got really is um a really nice single episode plot that continues to weave in the a plot the the notion that burnham during her gap year uh, has become sort of this 
the sort of joining character between um, Giorgio and um, the tr- the more Federation than the Federation mm-hmm. Saru. Um, you've got finally the well, I say finally with four episodes in the acknowledgement of um, you know the fact that people gonna have issues and like they, they do they do have issues mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the crew. I quite enjoyed the gloves off air clearing moment mm-hmm. uh, around Saru's dining table, but the like the whole thing um, is is there to. Uh, give the gateway to the reappearance of Zora. Not that they know Zora is Zora yet, because Zora we know is called Zora because of uh, Calypso, the short track yep. episode. Um, and we know where that so, comes from as well. Yeah. The, so sphere, the, the sphere, sphere data. The sphere data has become sentient, you know, like like a camembert that's been in the back of the fridge too long, mm-hmm. and um, has decided that it's gone. It's just there to help. It's just there to help. What are you freaking out about? Mm-hmm. Saru reacts surprisingly well to the now sentient computer. Yes. Um, in actually a very non federation way. Normally that would have caused all sorts of excitement, but yeah. he was quite <laughs> We need to about do it, some which, investigations. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Um, the computer's like, uh, no, I'm not going to do your diagnostic because, yeah, I'm fine. It's fine. And he goes, all right, then, fair enough. Well, I'm good. Uh, interla- in, where, where did we get to? Intergalactic Amazon, you said. No, I think we need something more than that. <laughs> the crew should watch um, a movie. And he's like, oh, I mean, okay, this, I, I'm not going to question you. Can you, you pick anymore. a movie for me? To which presumably Zora's response edited out of the show was, I'm not fucking Netflix recommends for you. <laughs> um, Although, if it was, then the answer would be something excellent by CBS. Uh, no doubt. So, <laughs> Undoubtedly. Yeah, undoubtedly. A, par- a Paramount movie of some kind. I would imagine so. Yeah, so there's oh, all of those things that were all very enjoyable. The yeah. um, the sort of being woven into it bits I quite enjoyed, the fact that we've now got, we've seen medical bots, uh, which you see in the opening credits, and they look a bit like the... Um, maintenance droids, uh, but these are medical ones, and we've now seen those operate. Mm-hmm. Um, the love-hate thing I've got going on in terms of the trans and non-binary characters, I, I still, I mean, first of all, in terms of performances, they're both excellent in this episode. Yes. Um, in terms of characters, again, pretty solid, I think. Yeah. What I find, like I said last time, if you're being really picky about it, and like mm, sometimes it's good to be observant um i don't particularly like the fact that um you know the kill your gaze trope it it's still part of that trope if you kill um a trans or non-binary character even if they then come back as someone's imaginary friend um yes so eh, that was a bit annoying although of course we don't know whether that is exactly the nature of that because Yeah. yeah the fact that um obviously you would appreciate if you were a new joined um, uh, person to a symbiont then you wouldn't necessarily know how that normally goes Mm -hmm. Uh, but of course we know that um, uh, that there's obviously a pool of knowledge in there already so you'd think maybe someone would know Mm -hmm. I don't know, who who knows what they're getting out there Um, but all of that was fun. Interestingly, of course, uh, Tal's various incarnations, a um, couple of Starfleet uniforms in there, mm-hmm. uh, including one which, uh, if you pause it, looks an awful lot like a Picard-era one. Mm-hmm. So that's um, yeah, fairly modern, and you're about 700-odd years, 750-something years old, mm-hmm. maybe a bit longer. Um, so there's all of that stuff. Uh, although, interestingly, if that age, of course, you start to get into the territory where Tal may 
crossover into the lifespan of Dax, mm-hmm. um, which would be interesting. Incidentally, how pleasing was it that they didn't make the symbiont in this Dax? Yes, because I mean, yeah, you can't. Part, no, I reckon there's somewhere inside most people watching it. It was a kind of ooh, 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 I wonder, I wonder. Yeah, and I think all totally relieved that it wasn't. Yeah, um, yeah. Try. I will try not to get too hung up on the the knowledge of the trill and. Um, and so on here because actually I think it checks out in terms of the timeline so uh, whatevs mm-hmm. and we've got the little hint um, finally in that that we will both see Stamets not becoming like part of the engineering system and needing to be plugged in yeah. all the time because that is a massive plot issue mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing that our sentient computer might um, learn to do such things in due course or a little robot uh, friend um, from the credits they might Oh yeah. I mean, because like, why is it? Because like, why is it featured in the credits like that? I don't know. Maybe I could have been just to normalize that that was a thing. Although, of course, previous credits have featured things that have been key to the plot. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe. Um, Oh yeah, that was another thing. People talking about the computer and why doesn't it know stuff? I'm not bothered about the sphere data not knowing stuff about time since the leap because the sphere data is older than. discovery which is fine yes what i am a bit bothered by is the fact that they were recently as you may recall at a starfleet outpost mm-hmm. which had a computer on it and they don't appear to have acquired any of the data that that one starfleet um well not officer but member of staff yeah had in their possession it's a bit weird isn't it a little bit perhaps maybe their sure. computer systems were incompatible oh yes i suppose the space station might have been on USB-C. yeah they're, that would make sense. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're using a uh, they're using a micro. Uh, oh, but it was a bloody Mac. All of that lovely, pretty interface, but doesn't fucking work. They had, yeah, they they're using an old HDMI cable, I think. Uh, no, you can't do that. No. Not since the PS4, really. No. <laughs> uh, they weren't they weren't able to to transfer the data in 120 frames per second or whatever. So uh, it wasn't an 8K or something. So. I'm distracted because all I'm thinking about now is Assassin's Creed Valhalla and my PS5 arriving soon. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, how many how many ter- <laughs> how, how many teraflops were? Uh, <laughs> that's what I want to know. Um, What's your filthy language? I apologize. This is a family show, of course. Uh, I love this episode uh, so much. So we got. Uh, there was not a long nefarious like what's wrong with uh, with Kayla Detmer at all she was just traumatized by what happened with stamets and the whole the whole plot of like trying to improve the crew morale is that everybody was trying to act fine because even i was asking this question to myself Mm. before i even knew what the subplot was i'm like you You know on episode one of this season on the show i think yeah i'm like well for like a lot of people who just got like their whole lives flipped upside down fresh prince style uh (laughs) like they seem oddly okay shout out out to philly by the way (laughs) thank you philadelphia uh they seem they seemed oddly okay but in this episode, they're like, no, we're not. We're trying to be Starfleety, but we're still people. And the weight of this has really affected us. And it was bringing everybody down. And they couldn't move past it until they acknowledged it. Um, and once they acknowledged it, they started to move past it. I fucking loved the dinner scene in Saru's quarters. So good. They felt like a family. Like, more like a family than any of the other Star Trek 
uh, crews, to be honest. The conversation was much more familial. Um, like they were, yeah. they were, uh, like Giorgio busts out a haiku and then they all start doing haikus, but they're like laughing at them, uh, until of course Detmer like loses her shit and keeps and talking about Stamets's blood being everywhere. But, but Philippa likes Hugh. Yes, she does. I'm so pleased by that. I don't even know why. <laughs> um, but they're just, they're just joking and, uh, like it, it just felt great uh and then of course like stamets and tilly had kind of been at each other so it's because tilly had been researching a way to do something with the spore drive that aligned with dark matter and stamets is like i don't want to fucking hear any of this shit you know it's like i know you're just I trying to help blame him yeah by the way because this explanation of why that's nonsense yeah like yeah kind of with you mate but then at the end though he was like okay this is star trek and weird shit happens all the time so let me hear what you have to say and i'm really sorry i was a dick to you uh like they they reconciled when they watched the movie later as a crew okay outside of the fact that i do not buy for a second that people from the future would laugh that fucking hard at a buster keaton movie <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like they were they really, that. they were really they laughing. The, they enjoyed the shit out of that movie, and yeah. God bless them for it. They were really yeah. laughing their asses off at that silent film of people just getting like you know run over by Model T roadsters and shit. But Philippa with her popcorn, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, but you know, like that scene where, uh, like in that moment where Stamets goes up to to Detmer and just hugs her, like. All of that shit. Did you have a, te- you have a teary? Moment? I did. It was so good. Yeah. I loved it. I didn't it. the first time I watched it on the rewatch. Mm-hmm. I was, I, to be fair, I was also a little bit hungover and it was quite <laughs> early in the morning. But um, yeah, there was a bit of a so moment. So sweet. And, and that movie thing, despite the fact that I don't, again, reiterating, think for a second that anyone would laugh that hard at a Buster Keaton movie now, uh, say nothing of the far-flung future. Um that scene in particular that felt start like that's shit you would see that's shit you did see in like voyager like mm-hmm. they literally like went on a to a holographic movie theater and wore 3d glasses and shit and like watched a movie um it just like all of that stuff very reminiscent so i love that the, the, the science of which was baffling for um <laughs> yes. Bellano, if you remember yes. and i'm with her made no sense oh for real uh no <laughs> doubt about that <laughs> But I loved, I loved all of that. I loved that B plot. I thought it was tremendous. The A plot was so good too. Um, bringing in the trill, and we know so much about the trill. Obviously, if you're a fan of Deep Space Nine, and then following Jedzia Dax, and then for like a little bit Ezri Dax. Um, we, but, we don't talk about that last bit. <laughs> but there's <laughs> so much we learned. So much about like um, how the trill works. So I can only imagine that uh, Adira sees her ghost boyfriend, uh, Trill, because she's human. And it's some sort of weird mix of the chemistry there because this is, like, we've seen stuff with Dax where she was able to communicate with her host, including in those caves, in yeah. the, the Macaulay Caves, which I think they kind of faithfully very much so recreated. I was like, holy cow, that yeah, looks a, a lot a- like it. That have had a bit of a sort of polish up, haven't they? But they, they did, yeah, very much still the same case, but very yeah. much faithful. And we've seen her do an episode uh, like that where she goes into the waters and she's able to communicate, not in the fantastical way that they did in this episode, which I think was supposed to be like we're seeing 
in their head. Like, I don't think they were transported to some magical dimension where they talked to them. I think this was all supposed to be in her head. And we were just seeing that. Well, she did physically vanish, though. She did. Mm. So weird. Um, mm. Some weird I did like the, the shooting of that. I mean, I, again, this Me is too. another, goes without saying, it is another stunningly beautiful episode, even mm. though it's all done in people's homes, just to remind the folks. <laughs> yes. Um, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful show still. But yeah, I loved, I loved that moment when she sort of got to meet all of the previous hosts mm. and they're like, welcome to the circle. Like, I have no real attachment to Adira, but because of that long storied history with Star Trek, I do have that attachment to Jadzia, and it made me think about all of that stuff. So, like, it does have emotional resonance um, because, like, you know how much that means to a Trill or to a Trill host. Um, So, if you've got a long-standing attachment to Star Trek, there's, like, some, I think, some emotional resonance there. I really, I really like that. Um, the Trill apparently still don't know, Ben, that anyone can be a host. That there just wasn't enough symbiotes. Well, they've gone, yeah, they've gone back to being sort of puritanical again, haven't mm-hmm. they? A little and, bit, yeah. And that's not surprising. I mean, we know that of the Trill, and I think there's a degree of... There's that in society. Like, there's a degree of... Yeah, it's kind of a degree of um, racism, really, amongst the trail, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe that now needs sort of undoing a bit. I mean, there's, there seems to be that you're going to have a... Um, God, here's a sort of imperialistic view. You're going to have a redemption arc for the worlds that fell out of mm-hmm. either the Federation or out of their close association with the Federation. And um, I think we're going to hear lines like that last one from the one from Schitt's Creek, whose name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hear that in future episodes as well, which is good. I mean, as long as that doesn't become the whole point, then yeah. then that's good. But I... Uh, I <laughs> this just feels like a complete, total shift, uh, like, change from the first two seasons of the show. This just feels like every Star Trek, in the best way. I- well, I was about to say, but it's, it feels like every Star Trek, but it also feels like like it took a while for for the previous ones to have like to know what that that particular franchise felt like. Mm-hmm. And obviously, with with the kind of false starts with Discovery, um, I'm impressed that four episodes into this reboot of it, yeah, um, I now ex- I know exactly what Discovery feels like, and mm-hmm. that's you know, there's a bit of a, a sort of warm blanket feeling about that, and. Uh, I think that's what's been, you know, upsetting a lot of Trek fans on the internet. Um, that said, very depressingly, um, if you go onto the various Facebook groups, mm, yes, ah, dear, oh dear. So the people who didn't like um, the fact that it was quite female heavy or people of color heavy at the start, all of a sudden, guess what? Mm. They're not big on trans people either. It's almost <laughs> as crazy, if Ben. Those people who are writing all these things are kind of universally just assholes. Mm. Can you imagine? Yeah. I, th- I mean, they won't be listening now because they'll, you know, they'll be drowning in the salty neo-populist tears. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. They're they're far too busy right now trying to figure out how they too can help soothe the, uh, I don't know, every state or whatever uh, that didn't. You can go always tell a con man because they're always out pun handling. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Real world politics. So sorry. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's always hard to tell the difference. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Star Trek has never really dealt in that sort of thing. Keep your politics out of my Star Trek, Ben. Uh, yeah. I, are you familiar with the memes of the guy who posts all the communism Star Trek memes? I can't remember no, his name now. No, I'm not, but, but that sounds Oh, you should go amazing. find it. I love him because of how angry he makes everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but Sorry. Yeah, this, um, this is a another great episode and what has been it really is the best season of discovery so far by a country mile i mean this they're i mean they're not gonna have as many episodes as next gen season three but i remember like next gen the third season of next gen for me is when it really like they yeah. just started really hitting like so many episodes were good in that season and mm-hmm. um I, I once remember a conversation I had with my daughter about how when you get sworn in to Congress, um, there was a guy who once mistakenly thought that you must swear on a Christian Bible. Uh, yeah. And then when he was told that you don't have to swear on a Christian Bible, he was stunned. I'm like, yeah, you could swear on pretty much anything, honestly, as long as you take the oath. And I'm like, and I'm like, personally, I would swear on my Blu-ray copy of Star Trek: The Next Generation season three, uh, because it's such a good season. Uh, like, I feel like this is their breakout season. Like, I feel like it's happening oh, without question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it it's it's weird, isn't it? Because they are pulling together the bits that they've done previously, and you can see that there was obviously a bigger picture that we're going to keep a lot of elements of, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the false starts that we've had unusual for such an expensive product to have so many false starts but i think it's allowed them to listen to their audience a bit i mm-hmm. think it's allowed them to um find out a bit more about how those actors inhabit those characters yeah. and i think ultimately it's going to make for a far more cohesive show mm-hmm. i mean i am massively um ridiculously a fan of a, a couple of um characters in this now but mm-hmm. um it's odd that like that you you know saying the sort of family feel of the the meal around the table in um uh Saru's dining room and i think um that scene was the first time that we've started to really see how the different sort of you know factions of the bridge crew connect and stuff and we obviously know that zora's around to stay cuz um spoilers if you've not seen short tracks but um that computer outlives the crew. Yes, um, by quite a so, bit. By quite a bit. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the, how they do that. I mean, I suppose it's the next thing. They couldn't just have another data. They couldn't have, um, uh, you know, the things they've already done, but they do like to play around with AI in Star Trek and the mm-hmm. most obvious choices, especially seeing as we're no longer anchored to Marjel Barrow. Um, every time I hear the Discovery's regular computer voice, I kind of think, eh, isn't it sad that isn't Marjorie Barrett? Yeah. And then to hear, you know, I've, I have thought a couple of times, I wonder if they'll find a way around that somehow. But a little, um, a little I, bit of life given to it now, yeah. Yeah, and it's weird, because we're pretty good on the show of seeing that sort of shit coming, and I did not see the for- sentient computer being around now. I, I, for- saw that I forgot all about the sphere data and everything, and even that was like the major plot point of the last season, I forgot it was still sitting in this the databanks. The- yeah. Well, this speaks to the last season a little, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Discovery has very much, uh, I mean, it started strong, and it's found its um, it's found its place in, uh, in the whole thing now, and I... I absolutely love it. Absolutely. Uh, what would you give Forget Me Not? I would say it 
what did I do last week? You did four, four and three quarters. quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel it's slightly under that because mm-hmm. it's less ambitious. Uh, but I would still say, I would say it hits a four and a half. Okay. Um, okay. So here's where here's where I stand on this one. I I loved and adored this episode, and I put my my thinking cap on afterwards, and uh, I I believe I turned the uh, the setting to Vulcan. So uh, <laughs> I was using the logical portion of my brain, and I realized that maybe not every episode is going to be great. Because how can it be? Because not every episode of Next Gen Season 3 was great, Ben. As much mm-hmm. as I talk about how great of a season that was, and it is. Heretic. <laughs> not every single episode was a winner. And I don't know how often I'm going to get to do this. And I'm like, should I give this a five? Because I was toying with giving it four and three quarters. Uh, and then, you know what I thought about that really sealed it for me? Mm-hmm. I love this episode to death. And one of my favorite characters wasn't even seen or heard in it. And that, of course, is uh, Tignataro's uh, Jet Reno yeah. was not even in this episode. And I loved Which it is, so much. So, by the way, yeah. weird missing from the bridge crew because if Stamets gets to be there, I feel like she does. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, mm-hmm. So she wasn't even in this episode and I loved it as much as I did. I'm just giving it a five. Uh, wow. I love this episode so much. Uh, and for me, like, again, it was the the really the thing that for real puts it over the top for me is it did the thing that I always love in Star Trek so much where the B plot doesn't feel like the B plot. Mm. It feels like another a plot. Like there's just two of them in the episode. Both are of equal importance. They, they had a little more fun with the Saru thing, which I think for some people like puts it in B plot territory, but to me, that doesn't mm-hmm. negate it. I think they did a lot of very important character and advancements. And for me, one of the things that's very important about Star Trek is that everybody feels like a family. And this made yeah. gigantic leaps and bounds to make everybody it feel really like a family. It really did. Yeah. yeah, it really did. They all really feel like a cohesive unit now where they were mm-hmm. really struggling in the first two seasons. Like we could, we didn't even know the names of some of the bridge officers. I reckon we've got two more bridge crew who we need to like see a little bit more of and understand a bit more about yep. um which i have a feeling will be part of the next episode but yeah uh, we shall see very excited i'm so happy to be like amped to see every episode and i'm not waiting till we record them i'm watching them when they air so uh yeah. that's always that's always a good sign uh for sure um, okay, everybody. So that's the podcast for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, and hit subscribe. And uh, that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about more Discovery Season 3, Episode 5. It is called Die Trying, which hopefully nobody does. <laughs> <laughs>